A big problem that our clients have right now is that renewable power gen project development is at an all-time high. It's a land race right now. Renewable developers really are facing a mounting problem in local opposition. There's a bit of a disconnect between the desire to have clean energy and roadblocks around actually getting it on the ground. We hope that our AI tool can be a part of tracking all of that. This is Energy Cast, and I'm Jay Downhower. Today we're talking about measuring support for solar. How do you gauge something as unquantifiable as public sentiment? Absent a poll, which is what our guest is trying to do. The answer may lie with AI. She says they've created a tool that can literally put a happy face next to a community that would be open to developers building a project there. That's important because solar development is expensive and time-consuming. I spent a little time working on these projects. To be honest, it wasn't for me. These projects take years, and most of the work is done by the developers, which have to evaluate a site, engage with landowners, and pull all the permits. There's a lot of things that can go wrong when you're essentially trying to pull together a 2,500-acre commercial real estate estate deal on land that you're leasing. In fact, my guest says nine out of 10 sites typically fall through, and that can come after years of due diligence. And that gets us to public sentiment. What if you have a site that is a unicorn? Agreeable landowners, access to transmission lines, minimal environmental conflicts, and then community members organize to kill the project. How do you know how the community is going to react? Also, how do you know if folks like solar in principle, just not in their backyard? My guest says we're currently in a land race to tie up the remaining ideal acreage for huge solar farms that can be hundreds of acres. They believe this new tool for gauging solar sentiment will be the key for developers hoping to succeed. My guest today is Robin Lane, co-founder and CEO of Transect, a software development company that specializes in tools for land developers. Transect is based in San Antonio. Robin says they can instantly provide customers with information that could take developers weeks to uncover. Their new Solar Pulse offering, which is in beta at the time of this recording, can also scour the web for public sentiment in a community and uses AI to quickly analyze if they'd be open to a project. Now, going into this interview, I mistakenly assumed that this tool was scouring social media accounts for people's attitudes. Privacy Hawks can be assured that AI is not breaking into your private accounts to learn how you feel. In fact, I think AI scares people more than it should. To me, new technology like this is simply software. It's just like how we often stop calling something a robot once we're comfortable with it in our daily lives. From what it sounds like, this AI tool will save developers more time and allow them to be more efficient getting solar projects on the ground, rather than kill a lot of jobs. And that gets us to some of these grassroots organizers. I was fascinated to learn more about who's opposing solar projects. Are they environmentalists? Are they local or are they organizing from outside the community? We typically call that astroturfing because it's only the illusion of a grassroots campaign. It reminds me of a time back when I was working in the coal industry. In 2008, I worked on a two-day event in Hope, Arkansas to bring awareness and support for the JW Turk plant that was planning to be built by American Electric Power. Local support was strong from everything I could see. The only dissenting voices came from environmentalists who'd flown in from Austin. It's more complex than you'd think. 
Who has a better point, the out-of-state environmentalists who see coal power as a global concern or local opposition who now see solar as a threat to some of their livelihoods? My guest says that education is key, both from communities weighing the impact of large solar projects and her solar developer clients who want to simply know if they're spending their time wisely. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Robin Lane. We're here with Robin Lane, CEO and co-founder of Transect. And Robin, I spent some time as a project manager working on the utility scale solar projects that spanned hundreds of acres and multiple landowners. It's not easy to find these kinds of spots, is it? No, it's really not. We do a lot of work with renewable energy land developers, and we've learned from our customers that when looking for a place to build a site, Oftentimes, nine out of 10 proposed sites that they're looking at ultimately fail. There's something that's wrong with it. It's in the wrong location. It has the wrong characteristics on the land. And there's some problems with that. I mean, it takes days or weeks to kind of assess these sites or they're wasting a lot of time assessing these sites. Oftentimes, if they don't do the right research, there's some critical flaws that are uncovered that can be expensive later on in the process. And then permitting. Permitting is hard. It's hard to, when we're looking for these sites, to understand the knock-on effects of building on the site and what sorts of permitting or local opposition will happen. So it is. It's hard to pick a site. It's hard to know everything perfectly about a site. And at Transact, we are helping our customers in those early stages of due diligence find, assess, and select the right piece of property to try to make it easier. Transact was founded seven years ago. What led to the creation and what trends have you seen in that time? You're right. Transact is about seven years old. before that, I spent more than a decade as an environmental consultant doing things to help land developers build their projects. I'm going to use this phrase called the old way. I started out as a biologist in the field with hiking boots, snake guards, the whole thing. I moved into then environmental permitting and project management where I permitted over 10,000 miles of linear projects, thousands of acres of energy, real estate, and infrastructure projects. And in my last position before I started Transect, I was running a big national program for consultants like me. And while running that team and trying to meet those revenue targets, saw a lot of inefficiencies in how environmental consulting works. It's very laborious just to tell our customers, is this a good site to build on? What sorts of environmental issues will I have? What sorts of permitting timelines are we talking about? It was a lot of research, a lot of inefficient deliverables reporting, a lot of find, save, replace for this different clients in the same area. And the industry really hadn't advanced since the 1970s with the passage of some of our landmark environmental policies like the Clean Water Act, the Endangered Species Act, things like that. So I created Transect to solve this pain point. And today we are helping renewable energy developers to find, assess, and select the right piece of property to build on with an emphasis on environmental constraints and permitting. So we are operating in the early stages of project development for renewable energy developers one of the tangential early stage problems they're having is around local opposition. So it made sense for us to solve this opposition question alongside the solutions we're giving them in the environmental and permitting space. When it comes to software, when it comes to just crunching the numbers and everything, my experience with commercial solar development, it still was just very hands-on and almost a go-with-your-gut kind of yeah. feeling. Once you knew that, okay, well, this isn't a floodplain, so that's no go, or transmission line isn't close, so that's not going to make sense. But it would seem that we've got to be getting close to the point where, and maybe Transect feels like they're there, where you can crunch all the data and you can overlay it over a map of the United States and say, build the solar farms here. Yeah. 
we're there. That's what we're doing. We have a couple of different tools in our platform. One of them is called our Find Tool. And you can kind of think of it like Zillow, where solar developers have a certain characteristic of a certain property that they want to find. And we actually have a filtering tool where they can use all of our thousands of data sets to figure out where the right piece of property for them to build on. And then they can run an assessment that gives them additional data on how long will it take to get the permits? What sorts of activities can they do to minimize their permitting timeline? And then we even have a marketplace that allows them to purchase next steps, like say they need a species survey or they need to go look for hazardous materials, we'll actually let them do that as well. And so we're there. We know we're in a land race in renewables. We know most of the easy sites are taken by existing development. And so our customers each have their own secret sauce. They need a tool where they could apply that secret sauce in just a couple of minutes instead of days to weeks the old way. And that's what we hear from our customers is how quickly they can find sites to build on and also how quickly they can nick sites and not waste time on them. So we're there. <laughs> so brag on yourself a little bit. Is anyone else in the industry to the point that you guys are at? Is everyone else just basically doing it the old fashioned way where they're just doing a lot of research and looking at maps and stuff? Or yeah. are most people have this kind of technology at their disposal one way or another? GIS has been around for a long time. And so a lot of folks still use GIS to help make their decisions. But what GIS can't do is say what a forested wetland, for instance, means for a project footprint budget and timeline. It's just a blob on a map isn't super helpful unless you have the consulting intelligence to tell you what it means and how to avoid it and what sort of permit you need or how to stay away from getting the permit. We're aware of our customers still using GIS. Obviously, some of the industry still uses consultants, but there's a lot of folks that are getting on the train with tech because they realize that it's the best way to keep up in the land race. So like you said, in addition to criteria like solar availability, you know, how sunny is it? Proximity to transmission lines. That was a big one too. Landowners willing to sign 20-year leases, right? Give up things like farming. You have to deal with the public sentiment. So how can that specifically factor into the success of a solar project? A big problem that our clients have right now and I may be preaching to the choir here, is that renewable power gen project development is at an all-time high. Renewable developers really are facing a mounting problem in local opposition. There's so much development going on. There's a lot of concern around how the community will change, how the community will look. As of earlier this summer, we knew that at least 228 localities nationwide had adopted policies that either blocked or restricted renewable development. And we know more are getting added all the time. Last year, there were 45 at least Facebook groups with 20,000 combined members that were anti-solar. We know that two years before that in 2020, there was only nine. So showing this is definitely a snowballing problem. And we asked our customers how they deal with it right now. And it's a very manual process. It's a lot of Googling, it's time consuming, and they're worried they're missing key information. And so knowing this is a mounting problem, knowing that our customers want to find and develop on the best site, obviously, we already help our customers engage those questions early stage. And so we knew that this would be the next place to go, seeing as it's such a mounting problem, and we're hearing it so much from our customers. Yeah. And so the product is called Solar Pulse, right? It uses AI, it says, to gauge public sentiment. <laughs> How does it do that? 
Yeah, that's right. I mean, without getting too much into the weeds of the nuance of how AI works, basically you're spot on. It's a tool that is using AI to provide insights around community sentiment and attitude towards development projects. And we're using tools like machine learning and advanced sentiment algorithms and natural language processing to ultimately give a positive, neutral, or negative. We actually have smiley faces, neutral faces, and sad faces in the app that are providing insights on how a community might feel about a potential development site within their jurisdiction. I think a lot of people listening to this might think their social media profiles are private or only shared with their friends, for instance. How is the software able to access that information? Yeah, no, this is a great question. We have a host of online resources that we are using to feed the tool. Social is actually not one of those right now. As you can imagine, social media platforms make all of their money on this data. And so they are willing to sell it, but it's pretty cost prohibitive and there's a lot of restrictions around it. We are exploring a couple of different social platforms and how we can help our customers, even if it's not specific people, which I think is important, but it's more a collation of sentiment around posts in a certain geography. We're exploring that right now and how that works. But to be clear, we don't have social in there right now. We're pulling from a different set of online sources. Okay. Can you tell us what those online sources are if they're not social? Yeah. So it's a lot of news articles. It's a lot of proposed and existing similar kinds of development in an area. It's solar moratoriums, county codes, meeting minutes, things like that. Okay. So for instance, if there's a news article that has someone quoted opposing it, perhaps maybe that gets picked up? Yeah, so it's not going to pick up the specific quote, but the sentiment analysis is going to take all of the news articles in a particular area and evaluate them for tone using natural language processing and that okay. sentiment analysis. That's actually the amazing thing about AI is that it's not like a human where we're going to read a quote and interpret, oh, that person must not like or does like solar development. It's actually going to intelligently analyze a host of online resources, including ordinances and locations of existing projects to give an overall estimate, an overall score of how likely a certain jurisdiction is to be positive, neutral, or negative about solar development. Okay. Say you're going into a region that hadn't done solar anywhere around it, right? I'm wondering how you're able to compensate where you might have folks who like the idea of a solar farm, just not where they live, NIMBYism, right? Mm -hmm. How you'd be able to compensate for being able to read that as positive, but if the project actually came to their backyard, they might object. Sure. So there is a neutral option, which may be what we'd pull in that particular scenario. I don't know, but there's also other resources. There might be known facilities in the area or adjacent or maybe all the counties around it have a certain sentiment one way or the other. So we're trying to pull in a lot of different context to make, I'm going to say a prediction, but to provide some insight into what could be going on in that area. It's interesting about these groups that are formed. <laughs> I worked for the Coal Association when I was in Austin, but we were doing carbon capture, right? I mean, if you want to do away with all the CO2, the fastest way to do it is if you capped all the existing coal plants. A lot of that opposition was from environmental groups that weren't necessarily in the community. They were coming in, you know, they were fighting a coal plant. So I'm curious what you're seeing maybe now where these are renewable facilities, right? Are the people organizing against them or for them? Is it still environmental? Environmental groups to an degree, or is it other kinds of groups opposing renewable facilities where in the past, you know, people would oppose a coal plant or some sort of fossil plant or something like that? I'm not a local opposition specialist. There are people that are. I come from the environmental background, but from what I understand, I believe that the majority of the opposition is coming from local communities that haven't yet been informed or don't understand, or maybe they've been burned by a different company in the past on how 
solar can impact their local community and weigh the pros and the cons. From what I have read from NGOs like the Nature Conservancy, they are largely pro-solar development and they are trying to find ways to help with the messaging around clean energy being a positive thing and how it can benefit a community. I haven't seen a whole lot of organized environmental opposition to clean energy development. I think it's largely coming from the local community, which I can understand. There's new development coming into a community. It's changing the landscape and it just needs to be a conversation. And again, that's why we created the Solar Pulse Project is because we want our customers to have every opportunity to engage with the community and vice versa for the community to engage with the solar developers. Yeah. So say you get an area comes off as a little bit negative towards this. Are you able to then drill down to your point there, what their big criticisms are, maybe what their misunderstandings might be? And do you work on a messaging from there or do you say, OK, well, these people just don't support this. So they're sad faced. Yeah. I mean, that risk is ultimately up to the developer. What we provide them with is a curated list of those resources that we found that have ultimately built up to the sentiment score. And then they can make a decision on how they want to handle handle that particular issue. Again, I'll also say that our product is in beta right now, which means that it's just getting tested with some early customers. It will be officially launched probably next quarter. And so we'll be learning a lot more about what actions our customers take from this tool as we go on. But our goal is to give them as much insight as possible. It will ultimately be their business decision on if they want to try to engage with a community that may historically not want to engage with solar. I know it's early days and everything, but I mean, you have to be getting a lot of data. And so that's kind of what I'm really interested to find out. What have you found? Maybe even take us around some of the regions that are more open to this stuff than others. And one of the things I was always thinking about is, again, my experience in doing solar, I wasn't in it very long, but these were hundreds of megawatt size solar farms I mean, acres, multiple landowners for a single project. And one of the things I've kind of been hearing is, is that maybe this idea of stringing together all these different landowners, you know, into one cohesive piece to do these big projects. I think that's getting a little bit harder to do. And maybe the appetite isn't there anymore. Maybe smaller solar projects are there. What are you seeing about trends as far as acceptance for different kinds of solar farms? I don't have a whole lot of trends from the local community yet, other than I do think that if a community isn't familiar yet with solar because nobody has approached them yet to do a development, it could go either way. We've also learned that where a community has been approached by solar a couple times and we don't know if they had a negative or a positive experience, I think we're seeing a trend that sometimes they're more likely to lean more pessimistic, more likely to lean more concerned, just largely around the narrative with the Facebook groups and kind of the community around being concerned around development. So there's still a lot to learn here. The important thing is that we're collating and curating this information for our customers as quickly as possible so that they can make informed decisions that will ultimately benefit them and the community the best. And we'll learn some more trends as we go. Yeah, Robin, in five years, all this information that you've called about all these regions, what kind of predictive work do you think we'll see? I think that the communities are still learning and the communities are still playing quite a bit of catch up because there's a lot of rural communities where it's great to build renewable, but they don't have a ton of organized decision-making or permitting or online resources for developers. And so I think where all of this is going is, I think we're all going to get pulled along with information transfer that needs to be happening, right? Like I think a lot of counties and cities are going to have to start figuring out how to engage with these kinds of groups because in our country right now, there's a bit of a disconnect between the desire to have clean energy and for the energy transition to happen and roadblocks around actually getting it on the ground from folks not feeling engaged at the community level or 
environmental restrictions or the interconnection queue. And I think counties and cities are ultimately going to have to find a way to engage. And we're slowly seeing that happening. We hope that our AI tool can be a part of tracking all of that. Do you think you'd ultimately be able to do things like predictively tell how fast things move through the queue or other things that aren't sentiment based? Yeah, I think there's a lot of opportunity for AI. And without giving away our roadmap or our secret sauce, we are exploring lots of different ways where we can be using AI to track trends, not just in community sentiment. Robin, and we're talking about solar projects, but are you doing any wind projects too? I know it's a little bit different beast, right? Yeah, it is. So Transect as a whole, our platform, again, as we focus on that environmental constraints and permitting side, we do have community scale, utility scale solar. We also have battery storage and wind as clients. Our sentiment tool right now is specifically geared towards solar development at the moment. And the other thing might be right-of-ways for transmission lines, right? I mean, that also uses mm-hmm. a lot of land. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Linear projects, we know that it's a big block on the grid, right? We can build all the power gen in the world, but if we don't have a way to get the energy from the generators across the country, we're not going to be able to meet our energy transition goals. So we're absolutely working with linear transmission groups as well. I'm curious about storage. It doesn't use as much land, I guess, as solar mm-hmm. wind projects. Tell us a little bit about what you're finding as far as permitting those and maybe even community sentiment. Yeah, battery storage, even though it's a smaller piece of property, they still have a really high volume of parcels they're searching for. They're looking at a lot of little itty bitty sites to try to figure out where the right place to build battery storage is. And because they have an opportunity to pretty much avoid all environmental impact because of the small footprint, using a tool like ours that gives them the check mark, there's no environmental issues here. It saves our customers a lot of time and money from having to call in consultant to give them a you're good to go answer anyways. We do have battery storage users and and they get a lot of value out of transact, especially from the prove the negative side. What's the, I guess, what is the negative? <laughs> <laughs> I was say negative is in there's no environmental issues, right? Like proving that they're good to go on environment because they're typically one or two acre sites. And our tool is helping them find sites that basically have all green lights and then they can move forward in confidence easily. And they can do that within just a couple minutes as opposed to waiting for a consultant to do it in a few days or a few weeks. So, Raman, I'm really excited about the AI. Where do you think Transect is going to be? And as a CEO and co-founder, where would you like to see this go? Our overall vision is that we believe that there can be harmony between the built world and the natural world. We're doing everything on our side that we can to build tools and products for the industries that are in the built world that are impacting the natural world. And so that's what our product roadmap is going to keep looking like. And we'll build things like solar pulse that are helping the renewable transition. So much more exciting things to come, but always with how can we help developers build what they need to build responsibly with consideration for the environment. Very good. All right, Robin, I'm going to finish with a lightning round of your thoughts on different energy technologies, starting with natural gas. Need it. Feels clean burning. From what I understand, it never runs out. So feels like something we need for now. Crude oil. Feels like it impacts our daily lives. Lots of existing infrastructure. Still feels like we rely on it a lot and we probably will for a while. Nuclear. Clean, but has a bad rep. Coal, and I'll throw in coal with carbon capture. Least favorite from like a land loss perspective and a non-renewable perspective, but appreciate the carbon capture side. Wind. Need a magic wand for migratory birds. Solar. Awesome. Love it. Love our customers. Biofuels. Seems like it would be hard to scale. Hydroelectric. Water is super important. Have concerns about the impact to the environment from those facilities. So that would need to be figured out and curious about it being scalable, considering water will continue to be a scarce resource. Geothermal. From what I understand, very location dependent. Lots on public land, which probably means lots of permitting roadblocks to make it scalable. Energy storage. 
Need it, pretty easy because it has a small footprint. And then finally, energy efficiency. All for it. <laughs> that was Robin Lane, CEO of Transect, a site development software company based in San Antonio. I want to thank Robin for her time as well as Claire Quirin at TigerCom for setting this up. You can find plenty of pictures for this episode on energy-cast.com, as well as on Instagram at Host Energy and Twitter at Host Energy Cast. All guests are sent the wrong completed audio the week of release. So far, no complaints. Be sure to leave us a positive review on iTunes. That gets the word out. Music was produced by Sean Stroop at Stroop Loops. That wraps up episode 176. Be sure to join us next week. We learn how Perovskite is helping solar manufacturers get more out of their cells. Until then, I'm Jay Downhower. We'll see you next time. <laughs>